0: Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. I'm glad you could attend. Again, you are listening to the Let's Talk Hemp Podcast. I am your host, Morris Beagle. Welcome to the show. Hello and good day everyone. Welcome to episode three of season four here on the Let's Talk Hemp podcast. Today we get into the amazing and incredibly exciting area of industrial hemp as we discuss the fantastic fiber that hemp produces and the many uses for it in the commercial marketplace. Today I am joined by my good friend and colleague Joy Beckerman from Hemp Ace International and board member at the U.S. Hemp Roundtable. She'll be my episode co-host, along with Pure Hemp Technology founder and president Ed Lairberger and Him Mills CEO Madison Sexton. I want to give a shout-out to my Episode 2 guest, Josh Hendricks from Driftless Extracts and Best Ball CBD, Patrick Atagi from the National Industrial Hemp Council, and Jonathan Miller from Frost Brown Todd and the U.S. Hemp Roundtable for providing excellent insight into what is happening at the federal level in regards to hemp policy and regulation, and what we potentially have coming up in 2021 and 2022. If you didn't catch the episode, you can download it and listen on demand at your convenience from a number of different platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartMedia. I also would like to mention the next episode after today's will air on March 4th, and I will be joined by Lorena Beltran from Cannabis Salude as my co-host, and we will be talking hemp in Mexico and Latin America with our guests Bob Hobin and Luis Armendariz, who will break down the obstacles and opportunities that lie ahead of us over the coming years. I would also like to let all of you know NOCO Hemp Expo 2021 is happening in person March 25th through the 27th at the National Western Complex in Denver, Colorado. We are working on a virtual hybrid component to complement the event for those that cannot make it in person. We have over 300,000 square feet of indoor space, 85,000 square feet of outdoor space, where we will be implementing safety protocols, social distancing, and Denver Health Department and State of Colorado recommendations so we provide a safe environment that is COVID compliant for all of our attendees. All of us at Team WAFA have been working hard to make this happen, and we look forward to seeing you face-to-face or mask-to-mask at the end of March. It has come time to reconnect. And with that, I'm going to get my friend and colleague Joy Beckerman on the line and see what she's been up to, and then we'll get Ed and Madison on deck to discuss Fantastic Fiber. And here we are, Let's Talk Hemp podcast with Joey Beckerman, who I've been fortunate enough to be on your podcast several times. How are you doing, Joy?
1: Doing so great. It's always so wonderful to be with you, Morris, and especially as we gear up for the seventh annual NOCO.
0: Yep, it's right around the corner, and it is happening in person. We've been working diligently with the Department of Health and the Fire Marshal and the Governor's Office and... Actually got confirmation that Governor Jared Polis will participate again this year. So we're excited about that, for sure.
1: Award-winning hemp tribe, hemp family reunion of epic proportions. My favorite hemp event in the United States, brother. I can't wait to get there. I'll, I'll wear my mask, but I will be there.
0: Well, I'll we'll be masked up. We'll be socially distanced. We'll be COVID-compliant. And we're going to get everybody together so we can all reconnect.
1: Excellent. Can't wait. Just cannot wait. In the heart of hemp, Denver.
0: Yep. So last week we had Jonathan Miller, Patrick Atagi, and Josh Hendricks on here. We were talking about policy and regulation, which all of that is really close to you and what you do on a regular basis. Do you want to tell me what's up with the, the U.S. Hemp Authority and the Roundtable and, and your advocacy?
1: Yes. No, I, my happy place is with the U.S. Hemp Roundtable, just such a strong advocacy organization and you know, fully staffed with a team. And Jonathan Miller is just such a powerful attorney. It's really the place where I like to give most of my nonprofit energy to. And we just set forth our legislative agenda for 2021 and are working on several states, eight of them this year on top of some federal endeavors. We want to of course, repeal the drug felon ban. That's number one. As you know, at the 11th hour in the Farm Bill, even though people of color have been disproportionately affected by the drug war, it was made such that if you have a drug felony conviction in the last 10 years, uh, you are not eligible to participate in the Promise of Hemp in terms of getting a cultivation license. So that's really important. Protecting in-process hemp is very important to the roundtable. And then these multiple states, and we have other federal legislative issue as well, but multiple states that have bills coming up and New York right now with its cannabinoid hemp regulations even as the CRTA, their Cannabis Regulation and Taxation Act, and its dueling MRTA, Marijuana Regulation and Taxation Act, also seek to harness hemp extract or what New York is calling cannabinoid hemp. So we've got quite a bit of work uh, to do in the empire state, as it were, on top of California and some other major players. So I'm really excited about the work being done this year. And another action that's taking place on the federal side is that our Bill H.R. 8179, which, of course, the U.S. Hemp Roundtable drafted with a coalition uh, partners within the dietary supplement community and, and other hemp organizations, It's been refiled. It was originally H.R. 8179, and it is, of course, the hemp and hemp-derived CBD Consumer Protection Market Stabilization Act. Now, it is H.R. 841. It was refiled on February 4th in the U.S. Congress, already up to 20 co-sponsors, so gaining traction right away, and had had managed to gain 30 co-sponsors between September and the end of the year. So, getting some real traction there. And what that will do is direct the Food and Drug Administration to to allow the marketing of hemp extract and derivatives, including cannabidiol, as as dietary supplements. So asking them, listen, we just want to be recognized as a legal dietary supplement, and we're willing to follow the rules for new dietary ingredients and inclusive of the self-gross or generally recognized as safe process. That's what we're hoping to accomplish this year among our other congressional legislative agenda
0: items. Big thumbs up to the U.S. Hemp Roundtable and HempSupporter.com if you want to get involved. Anybody can join. It's free. You get all the updates and you can actively get involved with your state-level legislation and policy as well as the federal level. And and they've made a, a huge difference over the course of the last several years. There's been great communication and they've been able to rally... Hempsters around the country to participate. So thanks to everybody at the round table.
1: Tremendous amount of resources there. And I'm I'm very honored to serve on the Law and Science Committee. I've stepped down again many of my leadership roles beginning in 2021 as I turn 51 this year. I am moving forward, allowing some other folks to take lead after 30 years of crossing T's and dotting and I's. But the Law and Science Committee, I'm very happy uh, to serve on federal and state lobbying, and I'm very proud of the Minority Empowerment Committee at the USM Roundtable is formed. And it is not just words. This is serious. Looking at ourselves, assessing how we are comprised as a board, how our members are comprised as a board, and to have the leadership with Amber Littlejohn of the Minority Cannabis Business Association, really helping us take the lead with the Minority Empowerment Committee. Super, super important. And also doing some wonderful education for small businesses and is business owned by people of color and minorities.
0: Yeah, that's excellent. I'm glad that you guys started that. Like we started the Diversify Hemp Gathering at NOCO and Southern Hemp Expo. We're having that again this year. Again, it's empowering everybody to be able to participate. And that's the way it should be because we're going to have a real, wholesome, legitimate, meaningful industry if everybody gets to participate.
1: Diversity and inclusion is where the best ideas are born. That's when the best of the population will will do our greatest work.
0: Couldn't agree more. So this is the fantastic fiber panel or the fantastic fiber episode. And there's just so much that we can talk about. We're both really passionate about the fiber side of this industry. That's really where we come from, fiber and food. But the fiber side we're, we just both love so much and and let's let's start with the Ushba folks, the U.S Hemp Building Association. You know, we're supportive of it, you're supportive. There's a lot of really good people that have jumped on board the last year and a half as this has got off the ground.
1: Because that's really where we can make the greatest impact from a planetary healing level. We're talking about, especially when we discuss hempcrete, which is basically a specific building material, a construction infill with hemp and and water and lime. A lot of folks, I think, when they hear the word crete, of course, there's that connotation that it is concrete. And indeed, we can certainly use hemp herd as a composite to help fill concrete. But hempcrete is, in fact, a living, breathing daylight insulation, meaning it can't actually touch the ground. It needs to be above ground and it is mold, rot, fire and pest resistant. And so when we also understand the carbon sinking ability uh, of hempcrete and the fact that we can grow these homes and create these homes that last hundreds of years in Direct contradiction uh, to the fact that we're building right now toxic off gassing homes and and structures that are basically temporary. They last 40 to 80 years and over 50 percent of our landfills every year are filled with this toxic off gassing construction waste. Hemp building materials and hempcrete is a huge game changer for indoor air quality for our health, for our landfills, for all of those things. So I think that's another huge reason why the USHBA is gaining so much traction is because that's where we're going to be able to provide economic stability for our farmers, for these emerging industries. And we're really going to take hold of planetary healing through housing.
0: Yeah. And we can look to our friends across the pond who've been really kind of laying the groundwork for everybody around the world with uh, the hemp flax folks, the Dunagro folks, and then the builders like Wolf Jordan and Steve Allen, who've been out there for decades providing education to, you know, not only the industry, but the building industry and those that really need to know so they can start implementing these materials on a commercial scale.
1: Absolutely. And of course, you've got hemp technologies with Greg Flaval and, and Andrea Herman, you know, just doing tremendous work. They are my main mentors for hemp building. And as much as I, you know, love hemp grain, I'm very proud to be a co owner and senior advisor to Colorado Hemp Works. And certainly, cannabinoids, just fascinating. And we're able to use CBD, just the tremendous news of it, as a platform to talk about the trillion dollar. Oil, seed, and fiber industries. And I, I certainly work in the hemp extract industry as director of regulatory and and uh, legal affairs for a hemp extract company internationally. As you know, my heart is with oil, seed, and fiber and hempcrete remains my number one favorite product. So these, these pioneers, as you, as you say, who have laid the groundwork for us, um, so grateful, so grateful. Dun Agro was blowing my mind, man, with the prefab panels and building these houses so quickly. Albert Dunn is just a huge personal hero of mine.
0: Right, who's that uh, the hemp brick company in Belgium?
1: Let's see. That would be ISO hemp. That's ISO hemp. I was thinking there's cana brick, of course, in Spain, but they're not really hemp. Creep cana is with clay and hemp and lime, uh, and ISO hemp in Belgium. That's just straight up. Hempcrete bricks. I was very lucky to be able to do a technical tour of that facility. All different sizes of bricks, and that's when I also really got a, a real-life example of exactly the the soundproofing nature. Miraculous. I don't like to use the M word with hemp. Miracle, miraculous. We're more science and data-driven, but we were across from each other at ISO hemp of another guest and yelling on one end. Can you hear me yelling as loud as you could? Can you hear me? Total silence. All you could see was the person's mouth moving uh, down on the other end of that, of that huge tall row of, of hemp bricks, but you could not hear a single word. This, all the sound was absorbed. So when I think of just The transformation and revolutionization of construction and close quarters and soundproofing, not to mention insulation um, and longevity, the the real game changer that hempcrete is, blows my mind.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. But there's also other industries that are going to be game changing too. The textiles industry, which we'll be getting Madison Sexton up here in a little bit. And then the, the paper and pulp industry and bioplastics industry which we're going to get Ed Larberger up here as our guest first off and and talk to Ed about his technology with the CCR and his pure hemp technology, pure vision technology that he's had since the early 90s. And, and all the amazing things that this fiber can do, paper and packaging, plastics, building materials, it truly is fantastic.
1: It really is. And when we we get into nanotechnology, right, and supercapacitors and energy storage and silicon chips for computers, they are about to be completely maxed out. And the entire computer world is going to have to move on to a carbon-based system. And right in time, here's hemp to save the day and move us from silicon into an actual affordable carbon.
0: Right. Right. Well, and then there's going to be carbon credits for farmers, and we don't have time to get into that on this episode. We're going to do that on another episode. I think Doug Fine's going to be on here. We're going to talk about climate, environment, agriculture, and, and the great benefits that hemp can provide into the overall system with all of that. You know, we can talk for hours and hours and hours about all the benefits of the plant, and we're going to focus on the fantastic fiber. So why don't we get Ed Lairberger up here next and, and see what Ed's up to?
1: Awesome. Fantastic. Another personal hero of mine. Talk about dedicated.
0: For sure. All right. Well, let's get Ed up. Welcome back to the Let's Talk Hemp podcast, volume up. And now we've got Ed Lairberger from Pure Hemp Technology, along with my co-host, Joy Beckerman. What's going on, Ed?
2: Hey, Morris and Joy. It's a pleasure to be with you.
1: Always a pleasure to be with you, gentlemen. And man, were we lucky when we got you in hemp, Ed. You and your brother are inventors. Give us a quick history of Pure Vision technology and how that transformed and spawned Pure Hemp technology about six or seven years ago.
2: Sure. Brother Carl and I and our third founder, Dr. Wingerson, started Pure Vision over 20 years ago. And we've been advancing a biorefining technology that rapidly converts biomass into pulp to make paper, and then we can further break the pulp down to make sugars and lignin as raw materials for making consumer and industrial products. And we gained a lot of experience processing corn stalks, wood, wheat straw, triticale straw, And then seven years ago, we started processing hemp stalks when Colorado was first to legalize hemp. And so literally since then, we've been processing hemp stalks and we've been processing the whole plant. And we've really gained a lot of knowledge and data in the area of breaking down hemp stalks into different products. And one of those products is fiber, and this is the topic of today's discussion, so I'll be happy to go into a little detail about that.
0: Most people really have no idea what fiber actually is. Can (laughs) you give our listeners a simple breakdown as to what exactly is fiber? Okay, so this discussion
2: will just focus on the hemp stock. We're not gonna talk about the grain, or the flowers, or the leaves. So the hemp stalk, and we're not talking about the roots either, so from ground level all the way up the plant, and you chop off the flowers and the seeds, that's the stalk. All hemp stalks are primarily composed of about 40% cellulose fiber, and about 20% hemicellulose fiber. So Hemp stalks are about 60% fiber. There's about 20% lignin, L-I-G-N-I-N, and that's about 80%. And the other 20% is extractives, and there's a little pitch, and there's tiny amounts of protein, and other things like metals. The primary component of all hemp stalks is fiber. So the two primary components of the fiber are the cellulose and the hemicellulose.
0: And since this is a fiber episode, can you go into a little more detail as to the difference between hemicellulose and cellulose? Great question. These two fibers
2: are really worlds apart, but they grow together and they interact together and they work together synergistically and one can't survive without the other. So the cellulose fiber is the dominant or stronger fiber and molecularly, it's a six-carbon fiber. So cellulose grows in chains And so it; these six carbon molecules grow toward the sun, and it's generally in a straight line from the ground, going straight up. And these strong fibers are connected. And if you can imagine taking a blade of grass and slitting it, it slits in a straight line. Or if you take a hemp stalk and pull a little bast fiber on the side, it'll go down the plant and stay together and it what you'll end up is with like a little string of long fiber those are the dominant cellulose bonds that hold the plant together unlike the cellulose that has six carbons the hemicellulose has five carbons it's a five carbon molecule so it's literally impossible to have hemicellulose grow in a straight line. It always turns based on the chemistry of the plant. So it's a weaker fiber. So these strong cellulosic fibers that grow toward the sun are surrounded by this matrix of these thinner hemicellulose fibers. And between the two of them, they have these, this web of hemicellulose wrapped all around these straight, long fibers, and it's all mixed with lignin to kind of give it the, the glue to hold it all together. So the fiber that we're talking about in hemp is both the dominant cellulose and the weaker hemicellulose. And so when we make pulp from hemp stalks, we, we try to preserve as much of the cellulose as possible, and depending on the chemistry of the pulping technology, you lose certain amounts of the hemicellulose fraction. And I can get into a whole rap about that, but, but generally that should answer your question.
1: And speaking of fraction, the technology, and, and you're, both you and Morris, I think, were some of the first articles that I uh, wrote for Marijuana Ventures starting about six years ago or so. And the technology, I believe, as you explained it to me, was fractionalization technology, a bit of a simplification of it. You've got a patent on this technology, of course, but can you explain how you process the fiber with the Pure Vision and Pure Hemp technology?
2: What? we do essentially is we fractionate the three major components of the stock. And again, we take out the hemicellulose as a fraction, and then we take out the lignin as a fraction, and we end up with primarily a pulp, which is mostly just cellulose. So I'll try to expr- explain it in in a very symptomatic form. When we run whole hemp stalks through our reactor, we inject liquids, and the chemistry is designed to remove as much lignin as possible. And everybody should know that paper that we work with every day and that we use and tissues and writing paper and stationery... The reason it is paper is because it's delignified. The lignin has been taken out. Having lignin in paper ruins the paper. It ruins the, the color, the texture, everything. So lignin is not a good thing for paper making. So what we've invented is a rapid process to remove the lignin. And in removing lignin, the more lignin you're able to remove, corresponding amounts of hemicellulose get converted into liquid. So what that means is if you have a pulping process that removes a small amount of lignin, you're going to end up with a large amount of hemicellulose fiber in the pulp. If you remove a lot of the lignin, Generally, you're going to remove a lot of the hemicellulose fiber. And when you remove both the lignin and the hemicellulose, they both become fractionated or they, they become solubilized or they become liquefied is another way to, de- to define it. And while they become liquefied and get washed out, the cellulose fiber, which is very strong, remain solid. So in the fractionation technology, we're able to solubilize the lignin and the hemicellulose. And once the hemicellulose is solubilized, it becomes a sugar known as xylose. So we take the the liquid that is rich in the xylose and the lignin And we run it through another patented process where we take out the lignin. So then we have three streams, lignin, the hemicellulose sugar known as xylose, and the pulp to make papers or further to be processed into chemicals and other products like plastics.
1: Just so. And a quick note, I suppose, for our listeners, because I'm always, when I describe sort of hemp based paper versus tree based paper, what linion is, right? It's what gives plants their rigidity and other protective qualities. But when you punch a tree, it hurts your hand. There's a lot of linion in that tree, and it takes a lot of chemicals to break down that that cellulose into wood pulp for for paper, which of course was an invention of uh, patents, not because it was superior. And we, of course, then need all of the dioxins, the bleaching, because it's thick and brown and gooey, and we want to be able to write on our paper. So man, when we switch over to hemp, uh, a lot of that changes. Tell us a bit about what you're doing with composites and plastics. That's a whole new frontier and so exciting.
2: Okay. So again, when we break down hemp stocks, we're first breaking down the hemicellulose fiber into a xylose sugar. And we have another process that takes the xylose, and we basically try not to degrade it into other chemicals. So xylose can easily degrade into a chemical known as furfural. So furfural can be used to make plastics, and many chemicals. But in our case, we like to preserve the xylose fraction as a fermentable sugar. And so we'll put that aside for now. The cellulose, which is all fiber, we can further what's known as hydrolyze into glucose which unlike xylose, which is a five-carbon sugar, glucose is a six-carbon sugar. And because of its physical matrix, the six-carbon sugars are easier to ferment into different products. So we have, this is an amazing discussion because we've kind of learned things the hard way, but we're applying for a patent right now on using both the cellulose, which is now glucose, and the hemicellulose, which is now xylose, to make uh, lactic acid. And lactic acid is the, one of the primary ingredients to make polylactic acid. So we have been successful at a laboratory scale, to turn hemp stalks into uh, lactic acid, which is then uh, the pathway to make a renewable, 100% bio-based plastic. And with other chemistries, we're looking at making it a biodegradable plastic. So this is kind of the break through work we've been working on for the past four years. And, you know, it it takes a lot of money and stamina to keep the company going. And we're going slow, but we're continuing to make steady progress to turn hemp stocks into biodegradable plastics.
0: You have definitely been on the forefront of pushing new technology out there for the industry and to really maximize the utility of hemp stocks so thank you
1: and there's a whole movie in how you developed the facilities over the years piece by piece one foot in front of the other brother really continuing to just be dedicated to this vision to this technology and to this plant and all of its promise
2: well you know we're all in this together both of you and so many of the listeners in in our brothers and sisters in the hemp industry have been trying our very best to advance this industry. And we've had our challenges in, in 1937. We all got shut down before our time. And then during our time, we have seen the national legalization of hemp. So this is truly our time. And hemp hasn't been illegal in in many countries in the world but in a way after 1937 and 1938 it it kind of was backburnered and since colorado legalized hemp and the first legal harvest in 2014 it created this amazing wave and now it's not only the national wave It's an international wave that's happening on this planet. And it's so exciting to see. And in our own crazy way, the United States has been leading the effort to kind of push the envelope, even though the Chinese have been making hemp paper for thousands of years. The Canadians are the most advanced in uh, making hemp grain and grain products. And in Europe, they have great technologies to make fiber products, to make canvas, and to make different products from the fiber. So now it's this world community that we're all a part of. And, you know, it's just exciting to be here. It's not easy to survive as a business. It's definitely not easy to survive as a research and development company and try to break into commercialization. But, you know, that's that's what we're doing. And, and fortunately, we've gotten the help of investors to help us. And so, you know, it's been a great ride. And we're just thankful that we're in the game. And we get to work with great people like you, too.
0: So mutual. Yeah, certainly mutual. And, <clears throat> and, you know, we have been working together for quite some time now. And we've been working on different paper projects for five or six years. And Can you just let folks out there know about the new entity that you've launched and maybe what's going on with Pure Hemp, Pulp, and Paper?
2: With the successes that we've had, and, and I got to give Morris a huge shout out because like he said, we've been partners in this for a very long time. And it was in 2015 that we were making hemp pulp and it showed a lot of promise. And and Morris and I approached a a papermaker in Boulder and we started making hemp paper. And the first run we did, we made 100% hemp paper and then we made 50% hemp paper with post-recycled waste. And from there, we started making poster board and cardstock. And to this day, some of the posters that Morris and Lizzie put out is made with this 50% hemp paper that we made years ago. It's beautiful paper. And most of your listeners have probably seen so many of the posters made from this paper. So from that, we have continued to advance. In 2019, we took our hemp pulp and we did our first trial using a, a legitimate paper mill and we got great results. And then the same year, we, we sold a bunch of our hemp pulp to another paper mill based in New York and they were expert and our experts in the science and engineering of hemp paper and of all papers. And they were able to make a very high-grade hemp paper from our hemp pulp. And so two years ago, over two years ago, we've established a formal alliance with this paper mill. And we have since also formed a formal alliance with the pulp mill And we plan to advance and scale up our patented CCR technology and set it up at this pulp mill in the Midwest. And because the paper company has so much experience and data using our hemp pulp, they've agreed to have a long-term contract to buy all the hemp pulp we produce from this mill. So right now, we're putting this deal together that's been in the works for years, where starting this summer, we're going to start making hemp fiber in Colorado, send the fiber to be pulped into paper, and then after we get sufficient funding, we're going to scale up our technology and move it to the Midwest, where we'll start making much larger quantities of hemp pulp. We hope to continue making hemp paper, but on a much larger scale. Some of the hemp paper that's being sold internationally, the, the hemp pulp is what we produced. So we're slowly breaking into real markets right now. And it's an exciting time for us, and one of the more exciting things is people in the industry are seeing the great advantages of our CCR technology, like this pulp mill, like this paper mill, and they're actually helping pull us into international paper markets, so it's not just out, it's not just our company out there pounding the streets trying to uh, get ahead. It's it's we've now got strategic partners that are working with us to help us commercialize the
0: technology.
1: Awesome. Takes a village, isn't that what we just went over?
0: <laughs> yep. And it's you know how long it takes to be an overnight success. Just ask Jeff Bezos, right? We were talking about that last weekend. 20, 30 years? I know.
2: If and when somebody kind of breaks through the other side and becomes successful, all of a sudden people hear about it for the first time and they just assume, God, this guy came out of nowhere. (laughs) But like Jeff Bezos doing this for over 20 years and like us doing this over 20 years and surviving and making payroll every month and mm. you know none of this is easy <laughs>
0: so we all know and we
2: have definitely we, we've not come through the other side but we're sure trying hard
1: the mantra of the entrepreneur fail until you succeed fail until you <laughs> succeed <laughs> and
2: let's hope we can all be as successful as jeff bezos
0: <laughs> yeah well, thanks a lot for being on the show, Ed. It's always great to hang and talk with you and have you share your knowledge about technology and all that can be with industrial hemp.
1: You're the whole package, both of you gentlemen, right? It isn't just your your brilliance or your dedication or your passion, you know, your spirits. You're wonderful to be around. Thank you for being shining examples, both of you, in these promising emerging industries. You are bright, bright light. Thanks, Joy.
2: Joy, so sweet. We're all in this together and we can't go about it alone. So it takes a village and we're all part of the village. So thank you guys very much. And we look forward to talking with you soon. All right. We'll see you at NOCO,
0: Ed.
1: Can't wait. All right. Bye, guys.
0: NOCO Hemp Expo 2021 is happening in person March 25th through the 27th at the National Western Complex in Denver, Colorado. With over 300,000 square feet of indoor space and 85,000 square feet of outdoor space, we will be COVID compliant, socially distanced, and ready to bring live events back to the public. Exhibitor and sponsor registration is currently available and tickets are on sale now. For more information, visit nocohempexpo.com. And we're back. Man, it's always good to talk to Ed. I love talking with Ed about fiber.
1: About basically anything. He's totally wonderful. But man, that technology can produce so many different thousands of, of products.
0: There's no question. When I first really got to know Ed in 2015 and visited Pure Hemp back or over in Fort Lupton and saw the facility and the ability to, to basically take this plant, fractionalize it, spit different components into different buckets, and then all the different potential ingredients and fillers that can be created from those, it really is game-changing. And all it's going to need is a good funding mechanism to upscale this and get farmers on board. Once farmers have the ability to provide this crop to legitimate processors, then we can really get this industry rolling
1: infrastructure infrastructure one foot in front of the other that's how we're doing it and thanks to people like ed and thanks to people like madison sexton
0: yeah she's working on that fiber side and and there's been a lot of fiber development and fiber people here in the united states since this whole movement's been getting going since the early 90s late 80s i mean there was ecolution back in the day and then Along came Young Maven and Hempies and Hemp Mania and what, Vital Hemp, Hemp Traders, Enviro Textiles. There's just a lot of people who've been beating that fiber drum and textile drum. And, and now there's a whole, a whole new wave of people that are out there like Madison that we've got coming up next.
1: So fantastic and and taking it to a whole new level, right? I mean, uh, Larry Serban of Hemp Traders, sort of the the largest fiber purveyor in North America over the last quarter of a century. And I think in the last few years, he finally started being able to pay himself. uh, You know, the amount of of work, uh, commitment, um, and, and true passion, uh, that goes into pioneering, uh, you know, in this industry is just, is just tremendous. So hats off to all of those pioneers. And now we see, uh, so many of these fruits and we've got Madison Sexton over here doing custom fabrics for people. I mean, blow my mind.
0: Right. And again, just to, you know, there's a lot of people that have been there for the last, a decade or two decades you got richard dash and ron alkali and jason russell from hemp zoo who came from hemp teak and again there's just people who've been out there because they believe and and those people have inspired the madisons and myself and you you know to to be really passionate about this plant
1: totally love supporting all of them
0: Well, why don't we get madison up and see what her story is
1: excellent let's do it all right
0: And welcome back to Let's Talk Hemp Volume Up podcast. And this week we have Madison Sexton from Hemp Mills in North Carolina. How are you doing today, Madison?
3: Hi, Morris. Good. Happy to be here. Uh, lots of exciting things going on. So thanks for having us.
0: Absolutely. Good to have you on again. Thanks for participating in Winter Hemp Summit.
3: Yeah, yeah. That was a, that was a great expo you put on. Impressive for, for a Zoom expo. Wow, it was impressive. There was all those rooms you could go into, you pulled that off fantastically.
0: Well, thank you. And speaking of fantastically, this is the Fantastic Fiber episode of Volume Up, and we've got Miss Joy Beckerman to uh, lead the way here. Joy, take it away.
1: So great to be here, Morris and Madison. Just so excited to be able to ask these questions of you. North Carolina is is a hemp hub. You're from there. How did you end up in hemp? What made you, what inspired you to start Hemp
3: Textiles
1: and Hemp Mills?
3: Yeah, Joy, well, we kind of just actually stumbled upon it. I was an amateur boxer about two and a half years ago, a boxer in the ring, a fighter. And our hip box, our, our cotton boxing hand wraps kept on breaking. I was running a nonprofit boxing gym at the time, and staphylococcus and joint issues were a huge prevalent issue in all of the boxing gyms and some professional bonds boxers we are sponsoring. So I, I took the hand wraps into the lab. And we figured out that the issue, why um, there were so many joint injuries and staphylococcus was spreading is because these performance boxing hand wraps were made out of cotton and polyester. And cotton's really, I'm sure as you guys know, being in industry, it's a sponge for bacteria. And it also doesn't give us the joint support. And that's why a bunch of professional and amateur boxers and, and the kids boxers as working with the nonprofit were ending up with injuries and staphylococcus. So we kind of just went back to the lab and said, hey, what's another natural fiber that we can possibly fight against these joint issues? You know, the, the athletes weren't getting enough support where we can stop staphylococcus from spreading in the gym. And the only natural fiber that we found that could pull that off was actually hemp. So we just, we just stumbled upon hemp. And then what happened actually, Joy, interesting enough, is I went, I reached out to every weeding lab domestically. I worked with a bunch of textile universities and nobody could figure out. And a bunch of the mills were afraid to put hemp on their limbs. So they're used to running cotton. And since hemp is eight times stronger than cotton they're worried it was going to break their needles and so forth so we had the decision either kind of give up give up the boxing hand wrap or gear up and start um start america's first hemp weaving mill which is what we did about a year and a half ago
1: just so fantastic cotton's a a short inferior fiber and now you have uh, not to mention it's absorbent for bacteria so so thrilled that you found hemp and and so thrilled that hemp has found you
3: yeah, yep, we just kind of stumbled upon it. And now um, we just keep on solving kind of every issue back from, you know, back to the farmer and the supply chain, see how we can get this done in the U.S. and hopefully give America a shot at, at competing on a global scale again in textiles, like how we used to do before NAFTA and, and everything went through, so.
0: That is awesome, Madison. So when it comes to the hemp fiber, obviously here in the United States, we're off to a bit of a slow start and you've having, you've been having to source hemp fiber from not only like China, but Europe. And you've also started to source some hemp fiber here in the U.S. Can you tell us a little about what's going on there?
3: Yeah, so right now in the U.S., um, we're making some leeway. Again, the mills are set up for cotton and wool and synthetics. On the lines that are set up for cotton, wool, and synthetics, right now we can achieve about a 20% hemp and 80% cotton. But again, those are on a, that's on a cotton spin and in a cotton gin line. So we can achieve about a 20% composition right now that can be fed into knits. But the yarn that we currently import from Romania and China and so forth has to be imported, which is obviously adds on tariffs and adds in barriers. You have to import a minimum and it just really limits the it increases the barrier to entry for small brands and even larger brands, you know, making the pivot over to hemp. So what we're doing is we're, we're actually going to start a hemp spinning mill here. It'll be up towards the end of fall 2021. And we're going to solve that supply chain issue that, that the U.S. is seeing right now. And that is, is very unnecessary. Hemp does not need to be an expensive textile or expensive yarn. You know, you get four times more yield than you do with cotton. And we can lower that barrier to entry and make it accessible to all sorts of brands and startups and different end uses.
1: We're going to see some agricultural cooperatives starting up because, of course, we need that specialized equipment to harvest the long fiber and, and to build that infrastructure, right? As you, as you say, the, they're set up for shorter fibers here, but we're getting there and we're getting there thanks to you. What are the most exciting projects that you've been working on in the last six months?
3: And as, as you touched on companies that are working on harvesting equipment, you know Bishop Enterprises and some other companies here in North Carolina are making a lot of leeway and doing a lot of R&D and development and making hemp harvesting accessible, kind of re-retrofitting the baling machine so farmers that are used to traditional corn and cotton can make that transition over. But some of the most exciting projects we've been working on is we are working for a brand called WiseMade right now. It's a really up-and-coming high-end fashion brand that's coming out of LA. We've de- been developing some French terry, some three-in fleece, and some really, really cool domestic pima blended with organic hemp and organic cotton. So we've been doing a lot of development for hemp. We're doing a lot of 100% hemp broad woven weaving right now. So that's going into some industrial uses. And we're seeing a lot of brands, such as in the automotive industry, wanting to switch over production from China and from Europe. So some of them are importing as much as 40,000 pounds a week of fiber from China and Europe. So we're seeing some demand that they want to switch over to the U.S. and kind of bring that supply chain here. So that's, I mean, that's exciting in itself that you're seeing these industrial uses and industrial manufacturing wanting to switch over from traditional poly to to hemp. That's, that's a grandstand for the U.S. for sure.
0: Are you talking like upholstery with the automotive industry?
3: No, I'm actually talking panels for car doors and, and various things like that. So various manufacturing processes, they want to switch over from synthetics to that natural fiber. So that's, that's fantastic that we're seeing that switch over from synthetics to natural fibers. And it's not necessarily just because they want to use hemp because it's trendy. It's solely because of the industrial properties of hemp because it's stronger. You know, we can bring that price on if we source domestically. So it's solely because of the structural natures of hemp that they're wanting to switch over from synthetics, which is fantastic.
1: On that cellulosic microscopic level, boy, it may look like other fibers, but it's very different to be so strong and to be so light. It's fascinating.
3: Yeah, definitely. So we we love whenever an industry is switching over from synthetics and going towards natural fiber. I mean, the phones are just ringing off the hook for wanting to bring that domestic supply chain here, which is, we love to hear that.
0: Well, fortunately, we can look to Europe and see what hemp flax and Dunagro has done to rolling that out to BMW and some of those other automakers that have been replacing their panels with hemp and hemp flax combo type paneling. And and they've been doing some upholstery as well. I know that some folks, Volkswagen has done some textiles and, and I think Audi and Jaguar as well.
3: Yeah, so we're getting a lot of calls for the upholstery for the 100% hemp fabric. We're in a lot of R&D um, with a bunch of the universities about... Four top-tier universities are developing a carbon composite coating for both panels as well as for upholstery for 100 percent hemp. So to see these main brands switch over and use a domestic supplier is just a grandstand for the industry.
1: So fantastic. It's wow. taking the taking the entire composite world by storm. And of course, the the European Union are under more pressure than we are to reduce those carbon emissions. So when we talk about reducing the weight of a car. We're talking about quantifiable effects on reducing those carbon emissions. And I, I know that America uh, is going to follow suit.
3: Yeah. And they're, they're following suit fast, um, faster than I thought they would, Joy. So they're, they're definitely wanting to switch over, you know, as soon as they can get that domestic supply chain on board, they're, they're wanting to give it a trial and they're wanting to give it a run, which is great that they're just wanting to, to give it a shot and dive all in and see if we can pull it off.
0: So fantastic. So before we get to kind of our last part of this interview, I did want to make mention that the Southern Hemp Expo is moving to North Carolina, and we're super excited about that, that Southern Hemp Expo is moving to Raleigh and it's going to be September 2nd through the 4th at the convention center there. And the city has provided us incentives to move our event to the city of Raleigh. And we're the first cannabis company that's been able to tap into this kind of grant program that the city's providing. And they're super excited to to bring hemp to the forefront of North Carolina. And, And you're right there.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not just us. There, there's a whole group of, of hemp companies in North Carolina that are trying to get this industry up and going. So what, what a great place to have it. That's going to be fantastic.
1: Learning about it for the first time right now, Morris. I'm so excited about that. That's and, and that's what I meant to Madison. By North Carolina is a hemp hub. I do training for Hemp Technologies, which of course built that first permitted hemp pre home for the mayor of Asheville. Uh, and you've got the Now House there and several other builds. It, it really, Asheville is in itself just a tremendous hub. I'm so excited for Southern Hemp Expo to be moving to North Carolina.
0: The timing has just been great. There was some issues because of COVID getting things dialed into Nashville and certain things up in the air. And and Raleigh came back and said, Hey, we want you guys. And we went back and forth, the contract signed. And there's a lot of great companies, like you said, you know, Halcyon Holdings. They're based out of Charlotte and Joe Hickey. And there's just a lot of people that have been in the industry a long time and that have laid a lot of groundwork in North Carolina. So we couldn't be more excited about the second half of 2021 to keep this hemp revolution going. You know, the last year has been tough on everybody. And we're going to be coming out of this cloud and, and we're going to be leading the way right out of North Carolina.
3: Talk about leading the way, Morris, everything you guys are doing in the paper industry, too. I mean, that's just going to breathe life into the whole industry. So talk about leading the way. Congratulations on everything you guys are achieving with that.
0: Yeah, we're talking to Ed Lerberger, you know, as the other interview on this episode. And, And Ed's got great things going on in the paper side. Me and Ed are working together on several different projects. And the hemp paper thing is coming a long way. There's multiple mills jumping into the mix. People want hemp pulp. And we're just so excited about the fiber side of the business to move beyond this big CBD hype and cannabinoids are great. And that's going to be a part of the business, but there's a lot more to industrial hemp than cannabinoids.
1: So grateful for the platform. So many people seem to be learning about this versatile, viable crop through the improvement in their quality of life through taking these various hemp extracts and cannabinoids. But man, I cannot wait for the infrastructure to arrive and really deliver on this promise. I was wondering, Morris, could I ask Madison just another quick question? Of course. Madison, it seems to me that you are doing some sort of custom making. Folks can come to you with their ideas for textile manufacturing or product manufacturing. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Because man, was I excited to see that.
3: Yeah, I know, just looking at your head headband, that could be made out of hemp. Yeah, what we, what we, which I'm sure it has some sort of natural fiber in there. But what we specialize in is custom R and D manufacturing for hemp textiles, and that's why Hemp Mills was born. The hemp distributors in the U S. that that bring in hemp fabrics, they do a fantastic job of bringing in inventory fabrics that help brands kind of up get get off their feet with those kind of inventory fabrics for broadwoven and jerseys and they they're just they're wonderful at that and, and what they do um, what we do is we make custom blended fabrics and 100% hemp broadwoven for custom applications that means if a customer comes to us and they need a certain stretch stretch for um, a type of sports bra they need a certain gsm we'll custom tailor that fabric and try to use as many domestic fibers as we can blends into that um to their performance so yeah correct it's custom performance hemp textiles mainly Wow.
1: Talk about you have arrived. Hemmills coming at you.
0: <laughs> yeah. So one of your customers is actually making some super cool guitar straps. Who is
3: that? Yes. I mean, I know you make great guitar straps, too, Morris. That's Native Sons Goods. They make incredible, incredible guitar straps. Yeah, super. Were you able to get in touch with them, Morris?
0: Well, I need to reach out. I've been a little bit busy trying to juggle everything, but I'm really impressed with what their website shows, and I can't wait to get some of their straps and maybe work in collaboration with them to have them make some Silver Mountain Hemp straps for me.
3: They've been a big supporter. They're one of our first customers from the first month we opened. So they've been a big supporter of Hemp Mills. Yeah, they, they, they buy a lot of hemp webbing. We appreciate their business. They do a great job. I love to see when a company makes hemp luxurious, like Wise Made or Native Sons good. And they put a luxurious twist on the industrial fibers. Is always gorgeously done.
0: Yeah, it's really good. So kind of to wrap up here, you've got some big things in the works over the course of this year and next year. Is there anything you, uh, you can share with our listeners about Hemp Mills and your expansion plans?
3: Yes, our expansions plan is to open up an 80,000 square foot hemp spinning facility, hopefully in Burlington, North Carolina. So that's going to really open up the market and open up the market to a plethora of entrepreneurs and brands taking advantage of this domestic hemp fiber. It's going to lower the price point and increase the accessibility for brands, entrepreneurs, and large industrial applications switching over to hemp. Our goal is to lower that barrier to entry and make it easier to switch over. Take little, you know, bite-sized pieces. Instead of having to import 30,000 pounds at a time, you you can try it out, see how it works, and apply it into your product line. Something that's going to be um, accessible, you know, via the U.S., as well as have the price point. There. Hint doesn't need to be an expensive yarn and expensive textiles. It's done correctly and done domestically by, by the right team of experts. So awesome. In every direction. <laughs> So accessibility is, is our goal and to, to really make the market grow and to flourish, you know, lowering that price point and making it accessible and the textile, you know, the textile industry in the U.S., we're, we're not in trouble, but we we are centered around cotton and, and synthetics, which are both going out of style and, and out of fashion. And, you know, they're, they're not too sustainable. So by making this domestic yarn available for mills, um, the, the mills want a domestic sustainable resource. So they, they can expand their sustainability plan. So it's just going to breathe life into the text industry similar to what you guys are doing with the pulp for the paper industry Morris so we want to breathe life into the textile industry and really give the U.S. a shot at competing on a global market with this natural sustainable textile
1: you're saying accessibility, and my mind is hearing empowerment. Accessibility equals empowerment. And, and that's essentially what Hem Mills is doing. And of course, WAFA's incredible line uh, of businesses do this, the same thing. We're really talking about, about empowering this crop in a huge way. Textiles, so many folks say, oh, you know, it's going to be 10 years, 15 years out. You're already showing us that that is not the case.
3: That is not the case. Yeah, and we're, we're definitely not doing it alone. Um, we're partnering with with our main hemp spinner in Romania. He's coming on board as owner. So we're just taking this kind of older school, um, Romanian-European method. We're putting a modern twist on it, bringing in modern equipment with a sustainability twist with water recycling, solar and everything. We're putting that U.S. sustainable, positive twist on hemp is going to make this 100% possible for the United States. Yeah.
0: It is. Well, Madison, that's that all sounds just, amazing and is there any final thoughts you want to leave us with before we
3: all right, this, the support Morris and thanks thanks for being here Joy um, without you guys and communicating to everybody what's really going on and without getting the message through it wouldn't be possible so we appreciate it so much and all the work you guys are doing for the industry
0: appreciate you right back boy it takes a village it certainly does or an army
3: Loom behind you too. That's that's impressive. I got I got to get a loom that size, Morris. Yep.
0: Well, maybe I'll email it to you.
3: <laughs> okay. All perfect. Right. Well, um, we'll we'll talk soon. And th- thanks for having us, Morris.
0: All right. Thank you, Madison.
3: Bye, Miss Madison. Bye. No matter what side of
1: the fence you sit, we can all agree that hemp is good for this country. Whether it's the new opportunities it presents for our farmers, the jobs it creates in our communities the health products that are entering the marketplace, or the positive environmental impact it has on this planet. There are endless reasons to be a Friend of Hemp. Please join Friends of Hemp today to connect with others who are cheering hemp forward. Visit friendsofhemp.org to learn how you can become a Friend of Hemp.
0: You know, Madison is quite the little powerhouse, the amateur boxer two years ago to now she's got a little hemp mill and bringing hemp weaving here to the United States and going to build out an 80,000 square foot facility in North Carolina. That's pretty impressive.
1: I mean, and even her little hemp mill, right, started out with 1,000 square feet, then moved to 15,000 square feet and moving on to 80,000 square feet. I mean, this is exponential. She's a mind blower.
0: Yeah, she really is. We've talked about how long it could potentially take to build out the textile side here in the United States because everything's moved out of here. Most everything's over in China and Asia and some stuff in Europe, some stuff in Mexico. But I think that we're going to be able to get fast tracking the hemp textiles here in the United States and repurpose some of these mills in North Carolina and the East Coast. And I think that there's going to be real opportunity in the sooner future than the distant future.
1: I totally agree, and especially when you consider, again, just how many segments of society from academia to lawmakers and regulators to economic development folks. These these local and county economic development personnel are looking to exactly, as you say, repurpose these, these mills and particularly towns that are by ports, these coastal towns or that are on rivers. And that have these sort of um, ghost-like remnants of of what was once thriving industry. Uh, Everyone's got their eyes. We all have a shared interest here in creating jobs and economic stability, reinvigorating the family farm, the American farm, uh, and bringing manufacturing back to the United States. Uh, Hemp's here to do it.
0: Hemp can do it. With the fiber side, the grain side, there's a lot of manufacturing that can come about because of this plant.
1: So much innovation on every level, right on up to, you know, air and space, as we said before, and super capacitors. It's just uh, from the most uh, primal, uh, Earth-like, grab that nutritious hemp seed and eat it off the plant, um, you know, to the most advanced technology, nanotechnology on the planet Earth. Uh, hemp is here. Hemp is here to do it for us.
0: It is. We're just getting started. We kind of lost out on 80 years worth of R&D. Maybe not completely, but we've missed out on quite a bit. But I think that a lot of people, smart people, are excited to jump right in and get this stuff really into the system and making a difference sooner than later.
1: Innovation all the way. It's happening every day. So exciting to be a part of, Morris.
0: I know. The hemp revolution is here and we're going to continue to make it happen.
1: Big time, big time. We're going to get an infusion of it at NOCO.
0: We certainly are. Is there any final thoughts that you would like to leave the audience with?
1: just uh, engage in the process, right? That's always my, my mantra. And the message that I want folks to know is that, you know, we have a tremendous system here in the United States. When the people lead, the leaders follow. We need to engage in the system. Legalization was the first step. Now the marathon begins. And every year we have another opportunity at the state and federal level for better legislation, for making new and improved rules and regulation based on data and science. And the other is to buy hemp vote with your dollars Uh, use hemp wear hemp innovate with hemp incorporate hemp into your business offerings or into the supplies that you use if you're in an ancillary service but buy hemp I'm so glad you asked Mo
0: well I'm so glad that you gave that answer participate everybody can participate
1: hemp is for everyone and it's here to bring us together
0: right and everybody can be a friend of hemp friendsofhemp.org
1: Amen to that.
0: All right. Well, thanks for being on, Joy, and for all of you out there that want to catch another great podcast, make sure to check out Hemp Barons because Joy does an amazing job with a lot of great guests.
1: So great to be here, Morris. Until next time, brother, and thank you for everything you do.
0: All right. Thank you. We'll see you, Joy. All right. And that is going to wrap it up for episode three of Volume Up, the Let's Talk Hemp podcast. And I again want to thank Joy Beckerman for co-hosting, along with Ed Lairberger of Pure Hemp Technology and Madison Sexton of Hemp Mills for sharing their time and insight and in what lies ahead on the industrial fiber side of the hemp industry. I want to give a few additional shout outs, including Greg Wilson at Hempwood, who is making an excellent product being used for flooring, cabinets, furniture, and dozens of other cool applications, including my Silver Mountain Hemp guitars and combo amps. The intro and outro music you hear on this podcast is truly the sound of hemp. I, along with my brother Dave, recorded this music using the first-generation Silver Mountain Hemp Caster V1, along with the Silver Mountain Hemp SM35 Combo Reverb Amp, and I think it sounds pretty dang good. Check out SilverMountainHemp.com for more information on hemp guitars and amplifiers. Another shout out to Ken and Morgan Elliott at IND Hemp in Montana, who are installing a 5-ton an hour LaRoche Decorticator to complement their hemp seed oil production line. Be sure to check out Let's Talk and subscribe to our weekly Let's Talk Hemp newsletter for the most up-to-date information on the hemp industry. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please hit that subscribe button on the player Share it with your friends and family. And if you're feeling it, leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartMedia, or wherever you came across the show. If you are interested in sponsoring, advertising, or being a future guest, drop us a message to info at letstalkhimp.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time around.
3: Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name's Kate, and I'm your host of the Pot Moms Podcast. I started the Pot Moms Podcast, well, because I wanted to end the stigma against using cannabis, specifically with moms, but also anyone who chooses to consume. I strive for a balance of humor and education, along with some pretty rad guests to help combat social biases that come with consuming cannabis. Kids are hard. Join me for regular podcast episodes packed with parenting hacks, real-life stories, and of course, my favorite cannabis products. The days are long, but the years are short. So roll another J and take a deep breath. Keep blazing and stay amazing.